0: If uh, you were not here last week and didn't get um, a book, come and get one. If you were here, come and get part two right here. All right. Well, praise the Lord. I want a couple announcements. Um, Josh, have you got the postcards for tonight? Would you hand them out? Um, Next week, uh, make an announcement now. We'll do that later. But uh, next week, we're going to have this place set up, and we have YWAM uh, Boston's coming in. There's 30 of them. And uh, it is going to be wild. It's going to be wonderful. They were here last year. They come with a larger group. They're going to set up. They'll have a complete um, encounter series of the beginning of the Bible all the way through the book of Revelation. And it's drama, it's live dance, it's really, really well done. And so if it was like anything like last year, and I think we had uh, really good. So I wanna invite you, we've got a little postcard. If you would take that, and we're gonna hand them out also Sunday, but would you invite somebody next week to come? It really brings a salvation message. The 12 that got saved last year were really impacted. So um, if you've got neighbors, friends, family members, Uh, In-laws, outlaws, invite them. See if they'll come. Um, And uh, we're also going to canvass the neighborhoods. We're going to invite them locally. We're going to have some walk-arounds before next Wednesday. If you'd like to be part of that, you could see Pat and we'll do that. So, all right. Praise the Lord. That's the Encounter Series. It'll be from 630 to 830 next week. So uh, we'll be in here. But if you have, it's, it's also good for the whole family. So we'll provide child care from six and under. Over in the children's building. Uh, so, if you have young ones or families that you invite that have young ones that might not like all the expressive noise, that's fine. It'll, Laura Johnson's going to take care of that. All right. Praise God. Thanks for coming. The snow's going to hold off and we're not going to get any. Is that what I heard? Oh, Lord. All right. We rebuke that. The weatherman said. Yeah. All right. Uh, just as a quick summary, if you weren't here last week, uh, you'll notice in part one we went through what were the objectives of what we're doing, and then we looked, at, we laid some foundation about. We showed a video from. If you want to watch that video, you can go online. I listed it there. Uh, about Admiral McRaven, you can look up University of Texas commencement. It's a 19-minute series on. It's just good, solid life skill. Uh, adaption of what a Navy SEAL learned after 25 years. Then we listed what we believe. We looked at the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer. Then we went through foundations. What was the new birth? What was justification? And what was sanctification? And we're at a place now we're going to dig deeper. In this series, I asked you last week to do a little bit of study, and we were going to have a debate on is it possible that once you've made a profession of faith in Christ, to lose your salvation. Okay, we got that? Good. So so there are those that would believe you can't lose salvation, and there are those that probably believe you can, and then there's probably some that think, nah, I don't know. I, I don't know. So here's what we're going to do um, in your handout from pages, we'll look at the first three pages of part two, but from your in your handout, you see where page 2-1, look at the bottom, it says 2-1 through 2-15 are about 100 scriptures. You found it? I'll give you a minute. Probably, okay. So page 2-1. All right? You see that at the bottom? It's, it starts with losing your salvation is the heading at the top. Got it? There's a, there's about 100 scriptures there that present different cases, and I'm not tell you which one's presented where. It may become obvious after you read them. So what I'd like to do is if you believe that you cannot lose salvation, where's Dave and Danny?
1: I got the land book of life right here. I got the land book of life. And my name's written in the name's book of life. In fact, my name's written in stone, it's etched in stone. I have eternal security. My ticket is punched. My next stop is heaven. I'm go- What? Can I see the book? Sure.
2: Let's just make sure that. what you... Not yet. Huh, your name is written here. That's what I said. That's right. It's in pencil. So, so, my side might just give you enough evidence to realize that you could lose it. So much for the rock. Oh, sorry. Just put the rock. Sorry. Scary, buddy.
0: Why is it in pencil? Okay. Danny, would you come over here? So, you believe you can't lose it. So, bring your book right over here. Come right over here. Sit right on the front here. They can't lose it. If you're a can't lose it crowd, guys... Would you come over and sit over here right now? Those who believe that you can lose it, would you come over here with the loser, lose-its? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you believe that you can lose salvation, sit right here, Davey. And if you're not sure, would you sit in the middle? If you are unsure, you're stuck in the middle, right? So, over here, Dave believes that it can be erased from the book. I have the, the question here. You believe both. There's always, there's always one in a crowd. Where's security? No. <laughs> um, I'll let you choose, Joel, which one you want to argue about. Which, but maybe there's one you feel more strongly about. All right? So this is the crowd that says you might be able to lose it. This is the group that says, I'm not really sure. And this is Eternally Secure Group, right? All right, here's what we're going to do. If you look at the pages 2.1 2-1 through 2.15, where it has all those scriptures, I would like the Eternally Secure Group, why don't you go to the cafe, since it's a smaller group? What I, Here's here's the point. We're going to come back in, in about 10 or 15 minutes, and based on scripture that you've got in page 2.1 through 15, I'm going to let... The eternally secure group convince us why they're secure by Scripture. You can use whatever you want to convince us. You gotta, you'll probably have five-so minutes to do that. For the uh, ones that believe there's pencil in the Lamb's book, you guys will stay. Uh, actually, why don't you? got a larger group. You'll we'll stay, stay here? Okay. We'll stay here. And then the unsure group, would you go to the prayer room with Miss Jan? And I would like you to look at those scriptures in two one through 2.15 and see if by reading scripture, you become convinced of one group or another. If you're still unsure, that's okay. We'll see what the arguers can give, give us, all right? We'll take about uh, 15 or so minutes, all right? Thank you. If we could still have the eternally secure guys over here, those that are... Maybe you moved from eternally secure to I'm not sure anymore. If you're not sure anymore, you can go in here. But if you're now secure, come on over here. If you're still thinking, hey, you can lose it, stay right here. There's quite a lose-it crowd here. Wow. I'm not sure what you guys are over here. (laughs) Late. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Did you get your handouts? Okay. All right. Praise God. The, The question is... If you think you can lose your salvation, join this crowd. If you think you cannot lose your salvation, go over there with Pastor Danny, who is eternally secure. And then if you're not sure, go in the middle with Miss Jan. All right? Wow, Jan. Jan, you did a good job. Wow. Okay. How many were not sure and have now joined You Can Lose It crowd? Okay, wow. How many were not sure but have joined the I'm Secure crowd? Whoa, okay. Jan, you scared a lot of people. Wow. Okay, um, well, let me join us over here. <laughs> I'll see you in heaven, maybe not. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> well, it's all about the rapture, isn't it? Yeah, well, I hope. I hope. Yeah. that rope comes down Let me, uh, those who are not sure, maybe one or two of you would tell us, what what was it that caused you to change your mind to move over to? I'm not really sure right now. Want to share that, Beth?
3: I wasn't really not sure, but I wanted to, you know, be convinced, I guess. But I've always, um, from the very first pastor I ever attended, and interdenominational Christian church and evangelistic church he said from the beginning it's all about your self will you can put on the shoes and look like you're Christian you can walk the talk but not really believe in your heart and in your soul that Jesus is your savior And, and even if you accept salvation openly it doesn't mean your heart and soul are convinced, And so then you're walking a lie. And you can, you're essentially, you've never been saved because you haven't believed in this, that Jesus came to save you. Okay, so.
0: Heavy emphasis on free will, <clears throat> on true belief, as opposed to, I might have a head knowledge, but I don't know that I've made a heart transformation. Okay. <laughs> that can. Any others that moved over? All right. Rebecca. You go <laughs> of course. Okay.
4: I am on that okay. side. There, I just there's not room, so.
0: <laughs> so why are you there?
4: Well, well, this is what I thought to begin with, but I was just kind of like, yeah, because I was raised Baptist, and it's once saved, always saved. <laughs> so, uh, But then uh, I realized if, if I deny him, if a person denies him and says, you know, I don't believe in you anymore, even though you really did, and doesn't return, then I feel like they can lose it. Okay. So, but I feel like they can return if their heart is right. Some other people didn't agree. I think there is, yeah.
0: More than two. All right. Danny, would you convince this crowd why they're wrong?
1: Absolutely. There ain't no debate here. There ain't no debate. Listen, either let let me say this. Either you are a saint or you ain't. You can't be an ain't one day and be a saint the next day and be an ain't one day and be a saint. That don't make sense. You is or you ain't. You a saint or you ain't a saint. Every time, if I had to get saved, Every time I thought I sinned or lost my salvation, I, we're putting Jesus back on the cross all over again. How many times did Jesus die on the cross? One time. So how many times you got to get saved? One time. You ain't got to get saved every time. You think you need to get saved? But how do you know you need to get saved again? If I, if I wake up in the middle of the night and I realize I had an evil thought or a bad thought or I said a bad word, am I lost? Does that mean i got to go out and, and ask forgiveness and say the sinner's prayer and get saved all over again? That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. We're all going to sin. But that don't mean you lose your salvation. But we got scriptures. Listen, we, we, we wrote down a bunch of scriptures. And I don't need but one, but I'll, 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 I'll use more than one. we got John 10, 28 that says, they, I, I give them eternal life, they will never perish. Never perish. Make sense to me? Never perish. We got uh, all that the Father gives me will come true, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That means never. Uh, We have, for the gifts and the calling of of God are irrevocable. You can't take them back. And I wrote one down. This is all I need. I just need this scripture right here. Ephesians 13.5 says, never. They use the word never a lot. For those that said you have eternal security. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You have eternal security. Once saved, always saved. Listen, before I got saved, I was walking this way. I asked Jesus to come to my heart, and I did a 180-degree turn. I started walking back this way. I didn't never look back. I, I, I think different. I act different, and I live different. And I'm a different person from when God gave, Jesus gave me a new heart. Only Jesus can give us a new heart. Man cannot do that. Man can change our minds, but only Jesus can give us a new heart. And we're new creatures. Well, if we get a new heart and we're new creatures, and then all of a sudden we lose our salvation, you just take that new heart away, and we're no longer new creatures, we're going back to being old creatures, that makes no sense whatsoever. So once saved, always saves. Paul Harvey made a statement, and praise God, if Paul Harvey said it, it's got to be true. (laughs) Paul Harvey said, if you don't live it, you don't believe it. So if you don't live it, you don't believe it. Therefore, if you live it and believe it, you're eternally saved. You can say a bunch of words. Listen, anybody can say a bunch of words, but the... Have a a lifestyle change and be really saved. I mean really saved. I don't mean to say a bunch of words. Anybody say a bunch of words. But when you get really saved, you'll be a new creature. Your lifestyle will be different. Your actions will be different. Your thoughts will be different. You'll be a different person. You'll be different. You will not lose your salvation if you are really, really saved. So that's my argument. I'm sticking to it.
0: Yeah, let's give him a hand clap. All right. right (laughs) Davey, why don't you tell him what you think about that? Well, I think he went way over on that one because...
2: (laughs) You know, the bottom line is, I think it's very healthy when somebody says, am I saved? I think it's it's, it's good to sometimes do a check within yourself to realize it. So... Am I, when I question it, am I wrong? Did I blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? Those are questions that sometimes go through and you, you go back. So that walking one way when you become a Christian does make a difference, 180 degrees to the direction we go. But the key is truly being saved. I'm not saying you have to say the words every morning. I'm not saying you have to get on your knees every night. The point is it's what's in your heart and how you guard your heart. So you can lose your salvation if you walk away from it, and the key was repentance. I believe you can come back, but you can go a whole distance, and there may be a point in our lives, as we get close to the end times, guess what? We may get to a point where it's no longer able to come back, because we all sin. I'm not a sinner. Do I sin? Absolutely. I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, but I I do sin. And so I have to make sure I acknowledge it. And the closer we get to God, we should feel when we make an error. And it may be a small one. It might be a big one. It depends on our walk. But I don't want to crucify Jesus one more time. He's already done it. So you're right. He only has done it once. But if we keep coming back and coming back, guess what? We may be crucifying God's Son again. And that's in Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. 6. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away. Fallen away. Good gravy. I I sin. I, I walk this way, and oops, well, the wrong way. Try to bring it back. But I have to acknowledge it. I think the Holy Spirit, the deeper it is inside of you the more you're able to make that commitment to change back. That's, you know, God is a, is, a, is a God. We sang about how good He was. He is good all the time. But in those same areas, James 5, 19 through 20, my brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, let me tell you, that's why the body is so important here. If we don't have the body, and we're just at home watching whatever, you know, any of of the uh, TV preachers, that's fine. I think that helps edify it from what we've already learned. But as I said, we get filled in here, the body. And when I make an error, I have people like Danny tell me I did it wrong. Terry tells me I did it wrong. They're good at that, you know, to make sure. So the objective really is, what do we do when we make those small errors? We can't just bypass them. I don't want those rocks in my backpack that keep piling up and weighing me down. The sooner I get rid of them, the faster I can keep walking in the direction toward God. And then John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on them. I don't want any wrath from God. I want His love. He loves us no matter what we do. But there's that pathway that takes it right down to hell, and He still loves them. I don't want to be on that path. I want to be loved because I'm going back up to be with Him. But you can lose it if you walk the wrong path. So, more people want to come this way? Just to. More we'll of an understanding You what? Okay. well, you better uh, have it stamped a couple more times.
0: All right, thank you, Dave and Dan. You guys can go back to wherever huh? Oh, come here, come here. I wanted you to share that scripture that that's your first Corinthians six. Here, I'll read it right here. I got it right here. 1 Corinthians 6, this, uh, this is one of those, and, and then we'll just uh, see about some questions. 1 Corinthians 6, don't you realize, we'll begin in verse 9, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, I'll read New Living, I'll look at uh, King James as well. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge, interesting word, in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery, male prostitutes, practice, interesting word, homosexuality, or are thieves or greedy people, are drunkards or abusive, cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Do you see a lifestyle practice in there? It's those who practice it, those who have made a lifestyle. So there's, um, King James says, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom. Is there, how do we become righteous Jesus said, right, through Romans 3, 4, 5, and 6, I think it's eleven, twelve 12 times, I forget the count, you have been made the righteousness of Christ by His blood on the cross, right? 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sins, He's faithful to forgive me from all unrighteousness. But if I'm, this, t- this scripture would tend to say if I'm practicing a lifestyle of that stuff, I might have done those things in the past, but I'm no longer like that because he's made me the righteousness of Christ, and I no longer practice that. The question is, if I go back to start practicing that lifestyle, am I now unrighteous? And that's the debate we've probably had a lot of, right?
5: So
4: this is a personal testimony. I have an older brother who went to Catholic school, all through grammar school and high school. After high school, he went to seminary school. He was convinced in seminary school that there was no God. Inconsistencies in the Bible all over the place. He is now an atheist. He denies God. He denies Christ. He laughs at me because I believe in an imaginary God. Okay? He, he's pushing 70, and he's very ill, but he still don't want to hear it. So I, I'm, I pray for him. Um, you know we we pray, my my brother, I love my brother. I want him to go to heaven too. I pray for him with all my heart. but is he going to get saved through my prayers?
6: It's his will. it's his will.
0: There have been those right on, remember the thief on the cross, no baptism, no Roman road trans just I, would you remember me and you'll be with me, right?
5: It's just like going to like the beginning of the Bible of Cain and Abel. <clears throat> it's just like going to the beginning of the Bible of Cain and Abel. You know, Abel, he sacrificed his his animal. And when he did that, he basically, you know, Cain was, he, he was kind of, he wasn't kind of, he was jealous. And he didn't understand why, you know, God gave Abel this blessing and everything when he sacrificed his best, his best, his best crop, his best everything. He gave his best. And it's just that, that spirit of Cain. If you have that spirit of Cain in you, you will not be able to be saved. You won't have that salvation. Hold that thought.
0: Um Mom, did you wanna say something? I'm gonna, st- I'm gonna cause problems.
3: Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Is there eternal life in hell? He said that you will be condemned for life, so that's eternal. But I don't want to mix it up too much.
0: Remember, he says the fires are quenched forever, for never and ever ever. So
4: they're still burning. Well, first of all, what about the ten virgins? The virgins are saved people. So five of them don't, half of them don't get into the wedding suburb land. And in this note in my Bible, it talks about the word believe. And it is a a noun in the Greek word, and well, it's a a verb, and it's Greek, and it says, For John, saving faith is an activity, something that people do. True faith is not a static belief and trust in Jesus and his redeeming work, but a loving, self-abandoning commitment that constantly draws one near to him as Lord and Savior.
0: There was something Marlene said to me last week. We were talking about this a little bit, and she briefly, just we were passing out, she goes, Bible says they became apostate, and apostate is someone who has turned away. You guys are all really good straight on this. Now, let me, uh, here, if you were here last week and had your notebook, I gave you the lesson, but you, I didn't give you part two. So would you come up? I want you to pick up part two, which is, it starts with eternal security. So, yeah, well, there's a bunch of pages. So what you do is, this is page 216 through two, you probably don't have it because I didn't hand it out. Unless you picked up your book tonight, you have the whole book. If you were here last week, you didn't get this part two yet. Mom, you did. I put yours in there, so you're good. You have it. It's page 216 through, uh, well, I I hope we do. I, I may have to get more. That goes in the back of your notebook, so you'll pick up right, you have page 215 in your notebook, and this will bring you from 216. I definitely killed some trees this week, but I would really like you to have this as a reference. It goes to page 239, yep, right there. Wow, looks like I have maybe just about enough. I'll have more next week. Yes? Yes. Chapter
6: 6. Um, it's, it's not, well, I sinned, so now I'm not saved, because we know that scripture that says we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous and he'll cleanse us from all sin. So we can we can get forgiveness for that because there's grace before and and during and after salvation. There's always grace. But so you it's not just, it's not an easy, simple little thing. If you are falling away, that means you have said, I once believed That Jesus was the son of God and he was the savior and I accepted him, but I don't believe that anymore. It's not true. Uh, I deny it and um, I think there's a big difference between, you know, um, sinning, just sinning and asking for forgiveness and saying, um, it was never true, it's not true, you know, it's not necessary to be. Um, well, our group kind of came to the conclusion
3: that um, that it's not something that you no one can snatch us out of God's hand. Satan can't snatch us out of God's hand in our salvation, but we can obviously choose to walk away and deny Christ.
0: There's, a, there's an interesting scripture. I won't have you turn there now, but in Hebrews in uh, Matthew chapter 12, the one where he talks about deliverance. Remember, Jesus casts out a demon, and they come and they accuse him of being the prince of demons. And then Jesus does a teaching on deliverance. But one of the things he says is, if you criticize or basically uh, come against the Son of God, that's a forgiven sin. But if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, it's an unpardonable sin. Many uh, believe that that's the place where the Holy Spirit is the, the agent of the Lord that comes in and takes up dwelling place. When you rebuke that in unbelief, basically what what Arlene was saying is when I no longer believe that Christ is the Son of God. He's no longer. Then you have moved into the unpardonable category. You have blasphemed the Holy Spirit, which is the author that is within us, right, the dwelling place that says we know that we know that we know. We're going to look at a scripture there. All right. I want you to see that this is, wow, lots of hands flying. Okay.
2: So would that be the point where it would be impossible to come back?
0: Good question. How far can you fall that you can't come back? Joy, did you have something? All right. I don't know the answer.
4: I'm looking at double-mindedness is where I'm going with this. It says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You can't live on both sides. You can't justify wrong. And right one day. You have to live right. You can't go back and forth.
0: Okay. Here's what's emerging from this debate.
1: Still a yeah, virgin. So Second uh, 2 Peter 2.20. on On that it says, And when people escape from the wicked ways of the world by learning about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then... Get tangled up with sin and become its slave again. They are worse
0: off than before. The reason I captured these commentaries and is, I think, you know, hundred scriptures. And you were going down. And some of you were saying, "Well, that one would say you were saved. That one would say you can't lose your salvation." Why is the scripture in such tension? There are areas that it doesn't make. You know for sure. Those who confess Christ as bo- the, the, the Savior was born of a virgin, though that profession of faith is salvation. But in this area of how close to the edge can you get before you fall off? There's so much tension in the Scriptures here, and I wanted us to have this debate because this debate's been raging for over 2,000 years. So just go with me. Obviously, we only have about... Uh, 20 minutes, and I want to just, I've i have presented several different sets of this as a foundation of Scripture so that, one, you can settle in your own mind, but my desire for all of us is we realize that gift of salvation is tied to free will. There is a choice to walk in holiness and write, be ye holy as I am holy, and there is certainly supportable Scripture to those who say you can lose it, that there's a point where you get to the edge and you fall off. Now, if once saved, always saved, I'm eternally secure, you'll find out there's there's a group of theologians who believe that you're saved. Once you're in, you're in. You cannot be lost, but you can lose the rewards. You barely get in with the skin of your teeth, and it is... What if he listed, and Ephesians says, he, he created unto foundation before the formation of the world that you would walk in the good works he had planned for you. Wouldn't it be very sad? Maybe it will be at times. We get before him, and he shows us, this is why I created you and all the things I had planned for you, but this is all you accomplished. There was that place. So you, there's those that say you can't lose salvation, but you can relo- lose the rewarded part of what God had planned. Here's the other scripture, That another one says, you will be judged according to the light that you've been shown. So if you're living in the middle of some rural place and never know, I'm thinking of the, we were in um, Nepal, and I think it was Jonathan was in in the health club. He was getting a massage, and we, we just got off the mountain. He was sleeping on the ground, and he's praise God, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, as the masseuse was, she goes, who is this Jesus that you keep thanking? She had never heard the name of Jesus. The light that she was shown, she takes a different test at the judgment seat, right? So here's my point. I want us to look at this debate has been raging, and some of it has split whole denominations, and so, turn with me on page uh, 16, 216, Eternal Security. This was actually a redo of by David J. Stewart in 2004. It was updated again in 2017, um, but it was originally written in uh, in 1951, if you look at page 28, you don't have to have to there but from 1876 to 1951, Harry Ironside, you can look him up if you want at some point. he wrote this, it's been updated but it's just to get a picture of how strong opinionated this belief was that one you you cannot lose your salvation. Just look at the front couple of paragraphs there in page 216. Eternal security is the biblical doctrine that a believer cannot lose salvation in Christ Jesus. I recently spoke, we're on page 216, I recently spoke with a Church of Christ minister who believed that a Christian could lose their salvation by failing to maintain a relationship with God. Of course, that's a lie of the devil. (laughs) No mixing there. The charismatics, we might be in that camp, are also plagued with this false belief that a person can lose their salvation. Calvinists would call this false doctrine, the perseverance of the saints, that is. They say that you must persevere in good works and continued faith to remain in the state of salvation. The Salvation Army teaches this heresy. So you can see back in the 1950s, this thing's raging. you got denominations fighting with denominations about that. And he does a pretty good deal of presenting. We'll just kind of flip through that. Uh, page 17 is salvation is by faith alone in the gospel. Uh, false Christians never were saved to begin with. Now, here's where he starts to crack. On page 18, some of you said that they must have never really been saved because it's impossible once you've tasted, Sarah Sanger, it, right? right? Once you've tasted and see that he's good, why would you go back to eating baloney when you can have, you know, steak? Why? Why? I mean, so, but he, so in that middle of the page, I mean, underline it says, he never was a Christian to begin with. So this is where the camp says, if they dabbled, and this, I don't know your brother. Obviously, you can't make a statement about someone's salvation or not. You would think if he was going to seminary, he was committed, there was a relationship or something, either that or there was fear and lots of head knowledge, but there would be those in the camp that said he was probably never saved. So we can pray for him because we pray and we intercede, right? And we know that the Holy Spirit draws him. No one can come to Christ unless the Holy Spirit draws him. So there are those who would argue they probably never were saved to begin with. Um, In page 19, genuine believers cannot lose God's salvation, and he makes lots of the same scriptural references here. Page 21 and 22 Serious flaws in teaching of salvation can be lost. Some people, I see where I underline conditional. Some people have the wrong idea that one's salvation is conditional upon the way they live. He says, no, it, it's it's, a, it's by grace you've been saved, right? And we've now been sealed. Some of you said the sealed with the Holy Spirit. Well, then does that give us a license to sin? Of course, Paul says in Romans, of course not, Right? Well, what about falling from grace? You ever heard that statement? Verse, chapter, uh, uh, page 23. No believer can fall from grace. Wow. Paul was addressing the unbelievers in the church who had heard the gospel but were still not saved. Galatians 5. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you has been justified by the law, have you fallen from grace? God forbid. So, then the argument, no more sacrifice for sin. Hebrews 10.26, if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice of sin. A simple look at Hebrews 10.29 quickly reveals Scripture again speaks of the unsaved, of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy, who hath trotted the, underfoot the Son of God, and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Again, one who hears the gospel but rejects Jesus Christ or makes light of the little redeeming blood of Christ is unsaved. The verse does not speak of the believer who has backslidden into sin. So you see, theologians are arguing both sides of this thing. It's like, wait a minute. Okay. The big if. There's nothing wrong with the term once saved, always saved, but I prefer the statement if saved, always saved. Better if a person is genuinely saved. So, this is that question. When someone who tasted and maybe was walking in the church and then gets involved in a lifestyle of sin, practicing sin. Say it again.
2: Elaborate. Well, just when they just basically jump into it and then all of a sudden they lose it. I'm just the seeds that the birds snatch it away, which is the devil, and so on.
0: Yeah, that, that's a good scripture. It says they, they got the word, but then the cares of this life or the devil chokes it out, right? They get wrapped up in the life affairs, and they realize that word which was sown did not take root. They would say there that they were never really saved, right? They didn't have root within themselves. Okay, um, so I'd like you to j- kind of look through that one. Um, look at page 27 for a minute. The Hypocrisy of Those Who Don't Believe in Eternal Security. The bottom of page 27. The biggest flaw in thinking of the enemies of eternal security is that they fail to realize just how sinful they themselves are. They hypocritically condemn other believers who live in unrepentant sin, failing to realize that they're just as sinful in God's eyes. If salvation can be lost, then who is the righteous enough to keep their own salvation? Only a self-righteous hypocrite who claims to be self-righteous enough to please God. Isaiah 64, 6 puts Dan Corner to shame, but we are all as an unclean thing and all unrighteousness, filthy rags. So what I'm trying to point out is it's it's pretty strong on both sides of this equation. So now turn to page 29. Yes, if you works righteousness. But then... That scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So what I'm saying is if you stack up the scriptures on both sides, why is the Holy Spirit who inspired the writing of these words put such tension between this? I believe it's just an opinion. You wanna share your opinion?
4: Well, I think if you word it differently, instead of thinking of it as losing your salvation, like it's this oops kind of thing, as more as a you have it and you refuse it. It's not that Jesus says, I cast you away, but the person refuses the gift. Even though they've received it one time, they refuse it. So it's more, it's a different perspective.
0: Again, really good question. I was just going to say, hang on a second, Terry, it says... If I get a gift, can I give it back? I know those was scripture that the, the gifts are irrevocable.
2: I came from a denomination that if you sin, you had to ask for forgiveness. So I felt every Sunday I needed to go to the altar because I had sinned all week. So when I came to a church like this, I realized that, uh, yeah, I messed up. But I can ask God to forgive me, and he will, and I don't have to go back and do it again. So this once saved, always saved helped me to realize that it was hard to lose the salvation. I think it's possible, but it's very
0: difficult. Tune-ups? Yep. Now here's, that touches on what we talked about last week, sanctification, right? The new birth, we're a new creature in Christ. So if I'm if I have new DNA, I have a new heart. Does he then make me my old creature again? That's a hard argument to come against. But um, th- this place where if I continue to operate as a reprobate, was I never saved? All right, stay with me because I wanna I wanna just walk you through this because I need to present the other side. Again on page 29, it's it goes on and. He argues the same thing. Does the Bible teach once saved, always saved? No. Now, this one is saying, wait a minute. No, you can't, you, you don't, doesn't guarantee salvation. He uses the scriptures Does that does not teach the doctrine of once saved, always saved. A person who has gained salvation by faith in Jesus Christ can lose that faith and the salvation that comes with it. The Bible says maintaining faith requires great effort, a hard fight. He uses Jude 3 and 5. Early Christians who had already accepted Christ were told, keep working to put your salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 2.12. Bible verses that disprove the teaching of once saved, always saved, he gives a couple of examples. There's the scripture Jonathan had, right? That 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Those who are unrighteous and practice these sins, so the question is, were they ever saved before? And if I confess... He's faithful to forgive me because he makes me righteous. I can't work my righteousness. All right. Jesus maintained the emphasis by giving an illustration in which he likened himself to the vine and the branches. Some of them would at one time demonstrate faith in him by their fruits or actions, yet later would be thrown out as fruitless branches. Remember, John says he will, purr, he will uh, clip all those who need to be growth, in growth and salvation. Oh, growth and works. So he goes on. Keep watch, page twenty, page thirty. Keep watch, those who fall asleep spiritually. There's the example. I think Mary Esther used of the Matthew twenty-five, the virgins, right, the five that had oil in their lamp and the five that didn't, or that same scripture, Matthew twenty-five, deals with the talents, one, five, and ten talents, and the one who had one talent, who thought that the the Lord was going to come and get him, he, he buries it, does not work to grow the kingdom of God. He says, take this evil servant and throw him into outer darkness. That's some, that's some real scripture that says, wow. So let's keep going. Look at page 31. Now here's the ones that says, well, maybe maybe they really weren't saved, and they it really comes down to what they believe. Someone said that. If you really believe, so this particular uh, crosswalk.com, can you lose your salvation, page 31, what exactly is a Christian? (laughs) If I am one, and then he goes on and does this belief. It's not necessarily baptism. It's not the profession that you do with your mouth. Someone said it was what's in your heart and what they're walking, what they're demonstrating And so this one, this particular commentary believes there in the middle. It says, what is belief? And the word, uh, pisteo, belief that think to be true, to be persuaded, or to credit, to place confidence in. Basically, if you believe that you are saved and born again, walking with Christ, then you do things that Christ did. That core, you are wrapped in the core. The Holy Spirit has wrapped you up, and therefore, your lifestyle will model and demonstrate. That's where uh, he says in Corinthians, we are the reflectors, right? Moses had the glory when he came off the mountain. His face shined. He says, now you who carry the Holy Spirit, you shine. You're the glory reflectors of the kingdom, right? So that's where the particular argument here is there needs to be evidence that a person was saved and is still saved. So they would argue he kind of avoids some of it so he doesn't, he would say you never really had salvation. If you turn to page 32, can you lose it? What difference does it make? I heard somebody say that one time in a presidential campaign. It says there's some interesting stuff. By the way, that thing at the top, that 3.04% on 32, David thought that was the number of people that, that was an advertisement for a mortgage payment. Yeah, there you go. That has nothing to do with anything. I didn't know how to take it out when I copied it. All right. Um, So, the bottom of page 32, have a part or responsibility in response, the balance of grace and works. So, here's what many of you said, the very last couple of sentences. In 2 Timothy 2.13, it appears, I underlined it, that I can choose to end my agreement with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him... He will also disown us. So there's, you see the tension, right? All right, let's give you maybe one or two more, and then we'll. um, Page 34, we're getting to the end. You're doing good. Can a Christian give back salvation? Page 34, 234. Can a Christian, basically, you have been given the gift. Can I now return it? Interesting question. The answer here is a true Christian, there you go, what's a true Christian? Cannot give back salvation. One of the arguments made also is um, if you have children, no matter what, they're really your children. You've been adopted in. You've been grafted in. You're now in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're in the family of God. Is there anything that you can do to now make you not a child of God? if my my child may he may go out and be the prodigal he's run they may be out there doing this and doing that but as soon as that person comes back and says dad I'm I'm sorry can I can I come back to the table but no matter where they are they're still my child so one of the arguments is once you're a child you're a child you've not been unadopted so Those that argue that you can't lose salvation, though, you have lost the reward. If you're out playing for years and doing things and then repent, come back, you missed X number of years of what you could have done. I'm going to preach on this Sunday. The treasury of heaven. There is a treasure. Remember, he said, um, where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. He says, you should sow into the treasury of heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt. There's a treasure chest in your name in heaven that has gold being put in it for the things that you do for the kingdom. That's Malachi chapter 3. He, he keeps a scroll of all the remembrance of those who honor his name and love to speak of him. So that treasury is like, yeah. But there's a point where, you know what, you didn't do really good on that investment in the last few years, but did you lose it? Yeah, but his inheritance was squandered. He wasted it. Yeah, and the father's there. All right, let me. I got to finish because I want to honor our caregivers. So, in this question of can a Christian give back, um, give back their salvation? Can you return it? On the bottom of thirty four, can his plan destroyed by someone wanting to accept the gift and then return it? God is sovereign, omniscient, omniscient, and omniscient. There we go. So easy for you to say. Foreknowledge makes the, that scenario impossible. Man by nature is depraved, being who does not seek God in, in the right way. Until his heart has been changed by the Spirit of God, he will not seek God, nor can he. God's word is incomprehensible to him, and the unregenerate man is unrighteous, worthless, and deceitful, and his mouth is full of bitterness and cursing. His heart is inclined towards bloodshed and has no peace, and there's no fear of the Lord. Fear of God in his eyes, Romans 3. Such a person is incapable of saving himself or even seeing his seed of salvation. It is only after he has made a new, been made a new creation in Christ that his heart would be changed and he would see the truth. All right, let me end by, look at page 36, 37, and 38. This is where I know you say, Pastor Tom's a real nerd, but I wanted you to see part of the argument. This, this There's a group, the the Calvinists and the Armenians, and this, you can read through it, but Calvinism, and, and you got to also put it in the time, if you look at page 36, John Calvin in 1509 to 1564, there was a belief... At that time, that there's no way you can have free will to be saved. It's already decided. You've been predestined. God already knows who His children are. No matter what you do, wherever you go, no matter how bad, you're saved already. John Calvin. It's a really um, it it really shows the God almost as a despot. And if you'll read through, there's a there's a um, An acronym there, TULIP, and talks about T stands for total depravity. U is the unconditional election. No matter what you do, he's already decided who's going to get saved. As opposed to God is all-knowing and all-powerful, so he knows in advance those who will select choice to follow him, right? And so, again, there's this uh, tension between the division of responsibility between God doing it and man's free will, that he gave us free will. So, you'll look through that. You can see on page 37, uh, there's limited atonement. You basically, um, you can't resist grace no matter what happens. God will get you because you're already one that's been predestined. I don't hold much to Calvinism. Most um, evangelicals in the spheres, we run, it's, it's too rugged a God. Now, the objectives, to, the objections to Calvinism, look at, there's a theory going on. There's a doctrine right now, and some megachurches, I've alluded to this at times, on the bottom of page 37, today there's this universalism that is happening that says, God is so loving and so full of grace, He would never send anybody to hell, all right? So that is uh, the universalism, and that is not biblical. We just we just argued for two hours, an hour and a half, uh, the example there, so... Um, that basically God would send everybody to heaven. There is no hell. You can't read the Word and get there with that, right? Now, I'll just quickly summarize. At the bottom of 37, Arminianism, this comprised a series of belief that deviated significantly from the five points of Calvinism. And um, most evangelicals would show up in this camp, mostly, to degree. It says, basically, uh, there's free will. You can choose. To honor God, and now of course He knows those who will. There is a hell, there is a heaven. Um, the bottom of that page which says some religious conservatives who are not Calvinists also object to Calvinists. Feelings run high on this topic. Um, well-known Christian author Tim LaHaye says Calvinism is uh, pertitiously close to blasphemy. Pretty strong words. Joseph Chambers, a pastor, author of the radio host, Calvinism makes our Heavenly Father look like one of the worst despots. Elmer Towns, dean of the School of Religious Liberty, and, and uh, said Hunt's book exposes traditional Calvinism for t- portraying God as a totally unscrupulous in manner. Michael T. Calls, the book a reviewer of Amazon, refers to Calvinism as God dishonoring scheme. Okay, I want to summarize. The, what I would like you all to take away from this is you could and I think David might have been a once saved always saved guy before i don 't know, but I asked these guys to take to take a, an opinion to me, what matters is the walk of righteousness and holiness and lifestyle if you we're studying in the men 's group. Um, the Qualifications of Deacons and Elders out of Timothy and Titus, and it lists what are the righteous characteristics of a person who could be put in an office to serve in the church, and it talks about lifestyle. They, it speaks of they're, they're, they don't, they're not immoral, they're the, the lover of one woman, one man woman, basically, they are the ones that are planting churches. They're not heavy drinkers. They're, they are not given to rivalry and anger and bitterness and rage. Um, they're not drunkards. And so those characteristics were the ones that Paul was asking his two sons, Timothy and Titus, I want you to go throughout and plant churches. And these are the characteristics of the people that you should look for that can carry this generation of growing the church. That same Application is for us. It's not works righteousness. I'll be this good little person. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't do all these evil things there for them. I would like you to really evaluate, not in fear, I've, I can, I've lost my salvation. Because I've had, even in the last few weeks, I've had people come to me, Pastor, I kind of walked away. Does that mean I've lost my salvation? I said, Well, the fact that you're back says no. And the fact that you're asking me the question, so you don't think I had the unpardonable sin then that Jesus talks about? No, because there's still, your conscience has not been seared and given over to a reprobate mind that Paul talks about to Timothy. Once there's no longer any more guilt or shame. Now, you can get to a place where you no longer have any guilt or shame or fear. The atheist is a scary place to be. So I'm not so much... Concerned about which camp you park in because I know you can find scriptures to validate your argument. But more importantly is I would ask that you evaluate that you stay away from the edge. It's not how close I can get before I fall off. It's I want to be those, and, and I'm after asking the Lord to create a congregation. Last year's theme scripture was who can ascend the hill of the Lord? those who have clean hands and a pure heart. This year's theme is in Ezekiel 1, that they, they, followed, they pursued the Holy Spirit in all directions as the Holy Spirit led them, and they never had to turn around. So I know you probably walk out of here maybe somewhat not satisfied, or maybe you're convicted of your opinion. That's good. But I believe the reason the Holy Spirit leaves this somewhat, either, there's two sides of this roadway, the narrow road, and it gets narrower. As you walk with the Lord, I believe this road gets narrower. The things that you could get away with in your honeymoon period with God, when you were first saved, you don't get away with much anymore of that it's kind of like you tell your children as they're getting older and mature. The two-year-old in my grandson's, uh, my two-year-old grandson gets away with a lot more than my seven-year-old grandson in my house. I have an expectation, and there's discipline that goes with that expectation. So the, the guardrails of the journey that we're on, there's two sides of this, but holiness is in the middle, and that's what we're after. All right, give yourself a hand. You guys did a great job. Thank you, Dave and Danny. Let's pray. Stand up, we'll pray, and we'll be dismissed. And do not if you haven't picked up a, a postcard, would you do that? And invite some folks to come uh, to next week. I really believe it's an evangelistic outreach. And if you'd like to be part of helping to hand them out in neighborhoods around, across the street and around, will you can come and see Pat and we'll, we're going to organize that. Um, so, Lord, we thank you. I pray that there would be a sense of a hunger... We started the song set. I didn't know Sarah was going to say, those who are thirsty come, but those who believe drink. So, Lord, we want to be the ones that have this, the, the river of living water that's running from our belly. And so, Lord, I thank you. I pray a blessing and peace, Lord, that you would bring conviction without condemnation and not fear, but reverential honor of the Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. God bless you. So next week, 6.30 to 8.30, we'll be here with YWAM. And then the following week, we'll pick up on Foundation 3.